March eight years ago. And uh, we moved about three years ago up to the other campus. So I preached probably three times over there, but this is my first time here at Second Street. So exciting for me to be here. I am what you could call uh, maybe low energy uh, because uh, in our meeting before the service, Pastor Tim was joking. He said, maybe if you raise your hand during worship, there'll be a revival in the church. Uh, best I could do was a, a thumb clap that I started out tonight. But uh, I'm happy to be here. I do love worshiping God and singing and praising Him. We're going through the one another passages here at the church this summer. And uh, tonight I'm preaching on Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. This is one of only two one another passages that are negative. In other words, telling us not to do something. All the rest have been love one another, be patient with one another, have mercy, things like that. Uh, but tonight's is going to be a negative one. It's called, Do Not Lie to One Another. Um, so we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3 today. Before we turn there, though, um, I grew up in Maryland. Uh, I worked at uh, Target in high school. And while I was there, uh, I've been a Christian all my life uh, since I can remember. And I uh, was working there in high school, and another co-worker was hired and he started there. And we kind of got to talking to one another quite a bit. Um, over the days as we were working and I began to really like this guy uh, Became a friend of mine and uh, one day I just felt the Holy Spirit laying under my heart. You've got to go share the gospel with him and Me not being an outgoing person I said, you know, I was hesitant, but I, all right, I'll do it. I set a date tonight I went into work. I'm going to go and I'm going to share the gospel with my co-worker who's a friend of mine um, So I went there. I got you know, I'm nervous. I'm sweating a little bit I see him come in the door to work, and I notice that he's a little nervous too. Uh, and so, shaking a little bit, I go to talk to him, and I start sharing the gospel, and he stops me. He says, are you sharing the gospel with me? It's like, yeah, I felt God telling me I should do this. And he's like, well, I'm all nervous because God told me I need to share the gospel with you. <laughs> and so we, we, uh, we just smiled and hugged each other, and we were so happy to meet another Christian at work. And that lasted about two seconds before we looked at each other and went, wait, you didn't think I was a Christian? <laughs> so as we ended the book of Acts, that's how Paul, Paul landed in Rome. He's been in prison for a couple of years, traveled, had shipwrecks, had a whole bunch of events happening, lands in Rome, but he does not know what he's going to be walking into. He just knows he's going to go before Caesar. What is he going to say? What's going to be like there? He's never been to Rome. He had written a letter to the Romans, the Roman church, saying, I hope to be there one day and see you face to face. And here he is, but not the way he thought it would be. And there it says that the people went throughout Rome, came back and met him and greeted him as he got off the dock. And it says, they came far and wide and met him. And he, was, he thanked God and was greatly encouraged. So that's what it should be like when we, we meet another believer. Doesn't matter where they're from all the different circumstances, different classes, different races that we have in the church. Church should be about uniting around Christ. And so he is there, it says he's there for two years, and while he's there, he's allowed to see people. People come, people even volunteer to stay in prison with him. Luke is there, and this one guy named Epaphras travels all the way from what we call Turkey today, Asia Minor back then. He was a pastor of a church in Colossae. He traveled hundreds of miles over to Rome to talk to Paul. 
Paul had probably trained him to be a pastor. In his third missionary journey, he was in the church of Ephesus in the city there. About three years he stayed there helping, and that became kind of the center for Asia Minor, all the churches there. So Epaphras travels to Rome, meets with him, and he, he shares how the church of Colossae is doing. They're doing well, but there is something, a problem arising in their church, and he wants to, he wants to get advice from Paul. So he stays with Paul for a while, and Paul writes three letters. There's four letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison in Rome. The first uh, three are Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, all written at the same time. And he sends two messengers to go hundreds of miles back. And uh, you can probably see on the map there, there'll be uh, Ephesus. And then 100 miles from there to the east is Colossae. And there are three little churches there and it's by a river called the Lycus River that forms the Lycus Valley. Three cities. I kind of liken that to our valley. We have three cities here. Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton. And here he is, one of the pastors of that church, and he writes a letter just to that church in Colossae. The purpose of this letter is to encourage them in the faith, but also to address a heresy that's rising up. And so we're going to look at what he encourages practically to the believers there in chapter 3. I'm not going to go through the whole book, but I just wanted you to have a background on what was going on at the time. With that, let's go ahead and stand together, and we're going to read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We have a seat and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we, as we go forward, Lord, give me the words to speak, and I pray that you would speak through your word to everyone here tonight, that we would not go home untouched by your word, that you would use us and that we would apply it in our lives, in Jesus' name, amen. First point is that there is only one way of salvation. The very fact that Paul took the time to write this letter to the church even though it says he had never been there before, he had never met any of them other than the pastor himself, who he probably trained, he had never been there, and he writes this letter to them to say that there is only, basically he says that the truth matters. There's only one way to heaven, there's only one way to God. That is through the gospel. Colossians chapter 2, the chapter right before this says in verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Don't be fooled 
by new doctrines or new heresies that come up, new philosophies that come from the world. Don't be fooled by it. There's only one way to God. He spends the first two chapters of Colossians explaining how God became man in Jesus Christ, how he was fully God and fully man. The the heresy that was arising was a, a mixture of Greek philosophy and Jewish law and basically said that every part of our flesh, our body, is evil, and the only way to become more like God is to just completely uh, deny ourselves by getting more and more rules. Now, if we can just limit ourselves, more and more rules, they, they want to apply the Old Testament law, and then they want to add more laws on top of that. That's the way to God. Gone was the grace that was provided through Jesus Christ. It was about obeying these rules. There is only one way to God. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6 say, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One way to God. One way of salvation. Anytime we deviate from that one way, Anytime that we add something to it, we are taking people away from the true gospel. Anytime we depart from it, we are destroying. It's a destructive practice that enters into ourselves and into our church uh, that will lead to sin and lead us astray. He says that we were buried with him and raised in newness of life. Next week, we're going to have a baptism service. Uh, next Sunday afternoon. Uh, if you can be there, I really want to encourage you to be there. We're going we're gonna to see people give their testimony of how they came to know God. Lots of different, different testimonies, different people, different ages. And it really becomes a celebration day as we gather around a pool, we baptize people, and we hear their stories, and then we eat together and, and swim, hopefully, if you're into that. Uh, next Sunday at 3 o'clock, there'll be, uh, there's info on the website about that. But I want to encourage you to come to that. Uh, there is, in that, the, in, in the symbol of baptism is what he talks about here in this book. Buried in death with Christ and raised in newness of life. If we look at the first four verses of chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's only by abiding in Christ that we are sanctified. Sanctified means that the process by which we become more and more like God. More and more like His Word. This isn't done through adding on to the law. It isn't done through other ways. It is done through abiding in Him. See, we are sojourners in this world. We are people who are here in this world, but it says seek the things that are above. Think, seek the, what is heavenly minded. doesn't mean you become so heavenly minded that we just neglect the things of this world as well. Rather, it is to take part in what is bigger than what is in our personal lives all the time. It is to seek something that is higher and bring that way of living here to the earth to those around us. At the beginning of the book, Paul often opens his, his books by saying something of, you know, we, we give thanks to God for you, and uh, we hear of 
your faith, love, and hope. He keeps re- repeating that phrase in numerous books. And in Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, they, they, he says this, We thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So Paul talks about faith in, in the past and what Christ has done, love for one another in the present, And then the hope in the future of his glorious return, when we will be made like him. The process isn't done while we're here on earth. We still have the sin nature in us, but we also have this new nature. And God has given us freedom from that sin nature. Freedom from that sin nature is only found in him, in his gospel. And it gives us a hope that one day when he returns, we will be revealed with him in glory, it says in verse 4. Then in the next verses, he gets into what we shouldn't be doing. Verses 5 to 9. Put off the old self. You too were once walking like this, he says in verse 7. Verse 5 says, put to death therefore. And this is, when he says put to death, it means do it continually every day, not just once. Put to death therefore what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passions. The word for sexual immorality is the word porneia, which means fornication. Fornication is anything that is a sexual activity outside of the bounds of which God put forth for us. And so it's all encompassing. Everything else is a part underneath fornication. So adultery is fornication. We usually think of it as something that is for people who aren't married, but really anything outside the bounds that God laid forth is fornication. Then he gets even broader than that. Sexual impurity or impurities. More than just uh, a fornication. It could be anything that's impure. And then passion is another word for lust. I kept reading through this, reading different translations, and it seems like he's saying the same thing four times in a row. Uh, But he's saying it in different ways, and he's moving from action into the heart, into your heart attitude that's behind the action. The last one, evil desire, also depraved desires. Uh, The word pornography comes from graphe, which means a writing or recording of, and then, of course, fornication. So it literally means a recording of fornication. And one of the dangers, the biggest danger I've seen for people who who get involved in it is that it it, it begins, you you begin to get bored with just viewing fornication. You begin to move towards more and more depraved things. It begins to awaken in a person uh, evil desires, as he says right here. Depraved mind. It moves us from something more normal to something more depraved. Paul says, put this off. All of these things. Fornication, impurity, lust, depraved desires. And then the last one is covetousness, sometimes translated as greed. Even These evil desires don't just have to be related to sexuality, it could be related to anything else as well. And covetousness doesn't have to be covering a neighbor's wife, it could be covering anything. It could be um, seeking to keep up with everyone else. It could be related to envy. It could be related to just wanting what you can't have. 
All of these things are normal in our culture around us. Maybe not discouraged. You too once walked in these things and when you were living in them. Paul says, put it off. Put to death your old nature. Look towards heavenly things. He lists some more things. All of these are related in our church because there's what destroys relationships. These sexual sins will destroy relationships. These next ones cause us to, to fight with one another. I have five children. Trying to go anywhere in the vehicle with them is painful. <laughs> Even riding home from church in the morning, I only live 25 minutes away, but to listen to them argue and fight all the way home, or all the way there, or when we're taking them out to do something fun, it just kind of ruins it. When we're fighting with each other in church, it ruins church. And if you've seen any church leader fall into sexual sin, it destroys their whole testimony. Paul is concerned with how we live as Christians with one another in the church. Put these away in verse 8. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Anger is that simmering anger that just resides in you. I drive a truck for a living now. Uh, spend hours on the road listening. Sometimes you listen to the news, this or that. And, you know, if you listen to it for a while, you become angry a lot. Simmering anger underneath. Get rid of that. And then sometimes that anger that's simmering underneath boils over into wrath. Sometimes we're so angry with our neighbor or with someone else that we begin to do things out of ill will. That's malice. The intention of harming someone because you're angry with them to get back at them, to get vengeance for yourself, or just because it feels good to, to hurt someone. Malice. Slander. The destroying of someone's reputation. It's also used for accusing. Constantly accusing someone of being outside of what they should be. In fact, the word for slander is the same word for devil. Someone who accuses all the time. This is the main, used to be someone in power had someone opposing them, they would just get rid of them, they would kill them. Now and today in our culture, we can just slander them in the media or somewhere else and destroy their whole reputation, get rid of their jobs, destroy their lives. Slander is powerful today. Get rid of slander. Obscene talk. used to be easier to not just be around someone that told dirty jokes or spoke about obscene things, but now with social media, we can post it. We can share it. We can like it. It'll just pop up on your phone without even you controlling it. We can look at things that we shouldn't be looking at, and it doesn't even have to be pornography. It could be a picture, a model, a celebrity, a picture we shouldn't see. It could be on Instagram and sent to us. It could be on a TikTok video. It's not really pornography, but it gets, it gets you there. It increases those desires. These are all things that now are just with us all the time, wherever we go. We've got to put these off, too. We've got to be more diligent about what we're doing. The last point. Speak the truth to one another. I changed it to a positive 
In verse 9, it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Do not lie to one another. Seems like a really simple thing to say, right? Just don't lie to one another. Lying harms others. It's not loving. Never is loving. We often convince ourselves that we can lie to someone and it's for their own good or we're, we're being gentle on them. But in reality, it's not loving at all. It destroys trust. How can we trust one another if we're not telling each other the truth? But I wanted to also connect it with this letter. See, Paul was writing this letter to an address in heresy that was growing in this church, but hadn't really fully taken over the church yet. So there was still a chance to stop it. Satan is the father of lies. In John 8, 44, it says, that's all he does. He, not only does he slander and accuse people before God, but he also generates lies. And he's been doing this for thousands of years, and he knows exactly what to do to get to us. I was thinking about it on the way to work the other day, and I would say that most of Satan's lies appeal to this old self, this old nature. That's why it's appealing to us. It, it, it appeals to one part or another of our sin nature. His lies creep into our culture. Well, they, they are in our culture everywhere, but then they creep from the culture into our churches and into our, into our lives. We begin to believe them. We begin to live them out, and we don't even realize it. Whenever we begin to spread that, we are now lying to one another. We are now spreading his lies from our, myself or yourself to others here in the church. So it's important, as Paul took time to, to write this letter to the church, to take the time to also speak the truth to one another. What, as I mentioned earlier, the book of Ephesians was also written at the same time, and that letter was to all the churches in the area. This one was just to that church. Um, but if you read it, you'll see that they say almost the same things. You can tell they were written at the same time by the same person and sent at the same time. Um, and so I want to go over there and just read one passage from there. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 25. If you want to turn there, you can. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. See how similar it is already. And it is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And he continues on from there. Speak the truth to one another. Speak the truth to your neighbor. It says, we are all members of one another. You know, part of that, though, is that we got to be open to having the truth spoken to us. Because if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't want to hear the truth. Sometimes we like the lies, even though we say we don't. We've gotten used to that. The lies that Satan generates divide us. And he'll always blame people who fight the lies with the truth on the ones being the, the, the divisive ones. But that's not true. His lies divide us. His lies lead us astray from the gospel and cause us not to live and abide in Christ. 
and therefore lead us astray. So we have to be willing to study and know the truth and be able to spot his lies and then be able to speak that truth to each other and be willing to hear the truth from others and be humbled. It's only supposed to preach on chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, but I want to go ahead and end the sermon by reading the, last, the next seven verses because he goes from the negative, what you should not be doing, to the positive, what you should be doing. And so I'm just going to conclude with reading verses 11 to 17, and then we'll, we'll close in prayer. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed, you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the, word of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, pray that You would help us to live in this world, um, but realize that we are recognize that we are not of this world. We are part of You, Lord, the body of Christ. May as we are with each other, Lord, may we treat each other that way as sons and daughters of You one body together. May we put off our old selves and abide in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.